Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. I want to bring you the message today. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be doing another Christmas in the series of What is Christmas? Uh, this one is entitled The Christmas Spirit. I'm excited to bring this because it's talking about, I'm talking about so much that's going on in our, our, our society today, and so much is, is happening right now in the area, and there's just a lot to be said about the Christmas Spirit. And so I want to give you a context for this, and this is found in Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 8. I won't read this for you. You can follow along if you like. We're going to only briefly hit this one, and then I'm going to go to a Matthew passage. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8, says this, And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And then I want to read the last verse of this context. It's found in verse 20. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. This is a, a, a story about the birth of Christ. This is the original announcement to the shepherds, and we all know these stories. They're all very familiar to us. And I want to uh, say this. When I talk about the Christmas spirit in this message, I'm talking about the attitude around the original birth of Christ story. I'm not talking about the secular Christmas spirit that's out there today, except to make mention of it and reference it as what people see today instead of seeing the true meaning of the true Christmas spirit. So I'm not naive enough to think that everybody thinks about the birth of Christ. I don't believe that. I don't believe everyone gets excited about it. I don't believe people are giving gifts in honor of Christ being born. I don't believe any of that. But I have to say that because people will be real quick to jump all over me for that. But I want to look at the phrase that we hear a lot today, and it is the the Christmas spirit or the spirit of Christmas. What is it? We need to have a a definition, a working of that, or an idea of what that is in order to even make a comment like there is really a true Christmas spirit and there is a very surface or shallow Christmas spirit or even a wrong Christmas spirit. Well, to many people, I think if we had, say, 25 or 50 people in a room and we could ask them individually, I think everyone would give us a different definition of what they thought the Christmas spirit actually is. I've asked several people this in the last few days, and my answer has been pretty much, well, it's it's uh, singing Christmas carols, or it's going to church, and some have said, well, it's going to be with family and friends, which is what we're going to do for Christmas. Our family's going to get together, and we're going to have a meal together. We're, we're going to be, I'm going to be traveling with my wife and my son. We're going to Mobile, Alabama, and we will celebrate the Christmas meal together. Now, 
Some people do that, and they call that the Christmas spirit, and that is fine. That is fine to be with family and to enjoy the holidays like that. But for many people, the Christmas spirit has many different definitions. For example, in industry, and the the liquor industry looks at this as a time to really sell a lot and to make a lot of money. Some have estimated as much as $250 million will be spent just during the week of Christmas across this country. Many people will send Christmas cards. Many people will buy presents. Many people will buy food and and have big parties or plan big things for them. Many offices have Christmas parties. Many people will exchange gifts. All of that is what many people think is the Christmas spirit. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do all of that. I realize all of that's out there. And if you're not careful, and if it doesn't bother you, it's, then it's fine. But many people will say, "Oh, don't be, uh, don't be a, a Scrooge, or don't don't ruin the Christmas spirit for others, and don't mention this or that." But the Christmas spirit is something that needs to be looked at at this time of year. I believe. I guess the spirit of Christmas is is, uh, is to most people represents giving gifts. And being thankful to people and giving gifts. But even that gets distorted. We give gifts sometimes because we think somebody's going to give us a gift. And it becomes really uh, an interesting uh, place to be. But what is the true Christmas spirit? Is, is, is Is there really a true Christmas spirit or a fake Christmas spirit or a shallow or wrong Christmas spirit? Well, I think in order to answer that, we would pretty much have to to look at some things and, and, and probably come up with some, some general ideas about the Christmas spirit. But as some have suggested, really the only thing about the Christmas that most people agree on is that it is a time of giving and being with family. I, I think I hear that more than anything. But I want to go to the Word of God because the Word of God is really where we're going to find any kind of a definition at all or any kind of a uh, of parallel or similarity to this. Now, I realize you don't go to the Bible looking for the word Christmas, and you don't go to the, there looking for all of these kinds of things I'm talking about. That's in our culture today. You go to the Bible, and you look at what the uh, who the people were that were the original participants or the people closest to the birth of Christ during that time. It doesn't take many people very long to find that. You go to Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and you go to Luke chapter 1 and 2 to get the gist of the Christmas story. And so that's where I went. I read to you in Luke, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some things that there's a lot of... Let me just read you a list of some of the people that that I wrote down that are most familiar with or the original participants in the birth of Christ during that time, that first time. Now, that original time, 2,000 years ago. There's Elizabeth, there's Zacharias, there's the angels, there's the uh, host of heaven, there are the shepherds that we just read about, there's uh, Simeon, there's Anna, there's the wise men that we talked about last week. And then there's Mary. And there's also some that are on the peripheral there. There's Herod, there's others that are <coughs> that are mentioned, but the, the, no real contribution is made with their names. And I'm not going to cover all of these, but I just want to to mention some commonality in these. 
But in first looking at the, the shepherds, I'm not going to look at uh, Zacharias or, or Anna very much. Just to mention they, they have the same response as really the shepherds. And I want to mention the shepherds because we see this, and I just read this in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And we go to the realm of the angels, and we find in verse 13 that suddenly to the shepherds there appeared with the angel who had made the original announcement. There was one announcement is made by one angel. Uh, then there's suddenly a multitude of heavenly hosts. And what are they doing? They're praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. This was the angel's response to the whole event. And you don't really get the, the uh, shepherd's response until after they disappear or go away from them. In verse 15, we see that. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, there was they're not around them anymore, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. See this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in haste. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen him, and they made known that the statements which they had been told about this child, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then you get the response of the shepherds. Now here's the response of the shepherds. The shepherds went back glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen just as they had been told. And that is the same same response that we get from Zacharias. We get that from Anna. We get that from uh, others around us. Is that is really the original response. Now, when God revealed this to them, you basically had Basically, what I'm saying, one response, and that one response is what we are going to call the Christmas spirit, realizing that this was not a Christmas thing here. This is the birth of Christ, but we're making those the same since that is what our culture is saying to us right there. The right word is for their response would be worship, and I think that would be the right word for us today. When we think about the, the birth of Christ, when we think about Christmas, do we think, first of all, worship? Well, I would venture to say, realistically, we do not. Some may, but I think that would be a very small number that would think that. So that's why I want to give this, would be more considered the devotion, is to perhaps get us to think that way, to think about the Christmas spirit. Totally different from what the world thinks. Totally different from what our culture says. Totally different from the marketplace or from the malls or from, or from the, uh, the, the internet shopping or from, uh, first thing I think of is Amazon and all these people are hoping that this so-called Christmas spirit catches on and they will make millions and millions of dollars. But for us that are believers, I would hope that we would at least stop sometime during the season and think about, really, the fact of the birth of Christ. It was a fact. In fact, it's, it's what Peter says in his second epistle, Second Peter, and it's like uh, John says, that they did not follow, or Luke says in chapter 1, they did not follow fables 
or fairy tales. They followed the facts. They followed the truth. And this is an actual event. In fact, you can look at these events and the, the one clue that it would come would be a fairy tale or fable always begins with the word once. Once upon a time. But look at how this begins here. And I'll just give you one example. Luke chapter 2. Now it came about in those days. A fact. It actually is supported by secular history and by biblical history. It is a literal event that happened. These people were literally involved in the birth of Christ announcement at that time. These shepherds literally ran into Bethlehem and saw the baby. They saw Mary. They saw Joseph. They told them what the angels had told them, and they went away rejoicing. Wow. I mean, what a story. And this is a story that's still being told today. And this is really what the purpose of the season is, is to bring our minds and hearts back to this story so that perhaps it might do the same kind of thing in our own heart to bring praise and worship and glory to God in a way that would be honoring for Him. That would be the true spirit of Christmas, would it not? The Christmas spirit should at least involve a time during the holidays where you at least think about this. But you know, I want to give you another one. I want to give you another participant here, and we just mentioned her briefly, and that is Mary. Mary has a response to this. Mary has a response. That you, In fact, you go to uh, Luke chapter 1, turn back one chapter, because I was in Luke chapter 2, and look at verse... 46 of Luke chapter 1, just to read just one verse. And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord. In verse 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Amazing. That's her first response, which is an incredible response. This person, Mary, gives actually a whole new definition for many of us, perhaps today, in the hearing of this, a meaning to the word worship. A person who is the closest person in all the human realm is to Jesus. It was Mary who had intimacy with him like no other person ever knew. The one person most directly touched by his birth is obviously the mother, Mary. Mary gives us, I guess, like a form or a pattern of worship. Without question, she gives the most magnificent psalm of worship, and that's what it's called. It's called that in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. What a tremendous thing to be, to be told. And that is the coming out of her heart. It is an attitude that is flowing over in her. We see the attitude of worship. We hear it in the words that she prints, or that is printed, of the words that came out of her mouth. In this first verse, Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. What a response from such a young woman. In this, in fact, some people say she was just a girl, just a young girl. And yet the maturity and the words that come out of her mouth in just those two words, uh, soul and spirit, are signifying to us 
as she is talking about this, that it is a way to speak of the inner person. And that is what Mary is communicating there. It is the deep in the inner person of who she is. And the reason that she uses, that it is used soul and spirit there, is because of the all-encompassing, as one writer puts it, element of it. She's simply summing up and describing the whole inner being of her. She is saying that worship rises out uh, from the inside. It's not something you do on the outside. It's not a performance that is activated outside and forced inside. No, it's just the opposite. It's, it becomes then something that is moral, mental, and emotional. It's the mind, will, and emotion and summed up in the whole inner being. And when she said that, that's, it's what's, that's what's being expressed. So what is the true spirit of Christmas? It's in our, our inner being is where we ought to experience this. Yeah, it's, it's the spirit of Christmas or the Christmas spirit, but it ought to be the, 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 the action of the Holy Spirit stirring our hearts inside of us. That's what's happening with her. And we're seeing that her heart can feel, she feels, and the mind can comprehend and holds on to. It's like an orchestra. Every element of the inner self has its place, and every element of the inner self adds to the harmony of the, in, the, in the look of the picture. And so I think Mary has given us an idea of worship here that it's, worship is deep. Worship comes from the deep and inside of us. It bubbles up, it bubbles over, it flows out. Man, we're reading these words. We're hearing a sermon. It's not just giving something in there. She's giving us words and a feeling directly from her heart. If we're not careful, we're very shallow in our approach of observing. Most church services, I hate to say it, but they're, they're geared towards entertaining people. They really are. It's not just carrying on a ritual, uh, even like the Lord's Supper can become. These are potential, of course, effects of worshiping art, but they can't stand alone as the true worship. The inner heart of adoring and praising comes from inside the heart, which tells us that the really, the true believer in Christ ought to be the one who truly experiences this attitude and worship experience. It ought to be that, that person. But I want to look at this real quick. I know I don't have a lot of time. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. <clears throat> I'll mention that again. My, and Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. When she says exalts, it's a word for magnifies. It's, the Greek word is a, is a word that it's, it, it, it's, it's formed from two other words, meaning mega. It's a Greek term. It's transliterated in English when we want to use and talk about something bigger. It's a, a, a mega. It's large. It's normal or it's loud. Something you would say on a speaker like a mega bass or uh, it means more bass than you need or care to listen to. It, it is the, the same word there. It's something that is a mega thing. It just takes uh, the, the word large. And what she is doing here when she says this, when she says, my soul exalts, the Lord. What she is doing here is not just exalting, 
but it is a, it is what we could we could say. I, I I'm finding myself at a loss really for description, but it's a mega exaltation. It's a larger than just the normal exalting. It literally means to cause to swell or to cause to grow. In in the musical sense, that it would be like a crescendo, as if starting at some point and extending and becoming larger and larger, and the word rejoices, and there could be a number of words that, you, that, that could have been used here, but this one is used. The word chosen is one that means overjoyed, the one that speaks about the unspeakable joy. It even refers to... Uh, in some usages, as a loud kind of joy. Imagine that, a loud kind of joy. This is what Mary is expressing, an almost kind of exuberant kind of joy that is uncontained. And that's that's really the feeling you get here. It's, it's almost like her, her heart and emotion just explodes forth with joy. <clears throat> uncontained, spontaneous, exuberant. It bursts out in an attitude of worship. So you have two actual components of worship that we see just in the first two verses. It rises from the heart, from, from, the, from what the heart comprehends. It rises from what the mind understands. And when Mary came to grips with what was going on, it literally captured her. Her mind transferred it to her emotions. It got every part of her human being moving and just erupted in intensity. It is like an explosion of an exuberant kind of joy. <clears throat> Can you imagine if when we thought about the Christmas spirit, when we thought about the Christmas season, our heart being that way? I mean, people would want to know, what is it you're so excited about? What is it you're so joyed about? Is it that you have enough money to buy gifts for everyone? No. It's the fact that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. Now, I want to go back to Luke. I want to show you something. When the original announcement was made from the angel to the shepherds, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Well, that's for us today. It's a good news and great news for all the people. That's us, especially believers, to look back at this. But listen to what it says in verse 11 of Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> he says this, For today in the city of David, imagine the shepherds hearing this, Today in the city of David there has been born for you, born for you, not born for someone else, born for you. He's talking to the shepherds. He means you shepherds. Born for you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, I think that is that Christmas spirit. I think that's the stuff of which worship is made. It is, it is an announcement to our heart that Christ's event, Christ being born, the incarnate Jesus Christ was born 2,000 years ago, and we are the recipients of the blessing of it. He has, he, that baby grew up. That baby became a man. That baby became a man and hung on a cross and became our sacrifice, our penalty for sin. He took upon himself. What a, what a, 
What a story that ought to grip our hearts. It starts with the revelation in the mind, doesn't it? God must reveal that to our hearts and minds. That's what we see with Mary. I think when when, when she got the magnitude of really what, what is it that just happened? Imagine her standing there. And I saw a, a, a new thing on television the other day. It was a, called The Nativity. And it's a Christmas story. And it's narrated by David Jeremiah. And he, they did a really good job. I was proud of them. And I, I'm so analytical. I tend to cut these things to pieces. But this was good. I mean, there were some, some areas that I, I wouldn't have put in there. But they did it. But it was still good. But in this scene, when the shepherds and, and are, are receiving this message, and they're, they're listening, and I'm, I'm watching this thinking, wow, what was that like? These shepherds were out minding their business, the, and they're, they're really considered the lowest of life. They're, 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 they're rejects. They're just people out there living with the sheeps, sheep. And they are the ones that God chose to reveal to them what has happened. Man, this is, this is uh, amazing. This is what's going to happen. Here are the facts. And the explosion in her response is what we see with Mary. This is what we would call sincere, intense worship. Is that possible for believers during the Christmas time? Probably not. Will many have it? No, probably not. But some could. Just a simple prayer this Christmas season. Lord, I pray that you reveal to us, to me, the true significance of the birth of Christ 2,000 years ago. And you know, if that really were to catch, and we would see it as worship, I think we would have that same explosion of exuberant joy. Not a shallow, not superficial, not temporary. Because worship, when it comes that way, when it is from the outflowing of the inwardness of our heart. It's real. You know it. You've had it. It's real, isn't it? It's just, it doesn't last that long unless we keep the Word of God there. So this Christmas season, I pray that it might be different. Make it different. Have a devotion. Read the Christmas story and pray a prayer that God would reveal to your heart and mind the true nature of the story. You see, there's power in the truth. There really is. In fact, I think that's going to be my next message. The next Christmas special, there's there's power in the Christmas truth. Really? There is. So I challenge you in this Christmas season to just read it. To think about all that the world's going through and just how different it ought to be for Christians. Oh, I'm not going to condemn people for buying gifts and celebrating like the world does. But at least take advantage of the time of year and the season to share Christ. To share really what the full and true meaning is to your heart. You don't have to be afraid of it. Just share it. Talk about it. Enjoy it. Thank God for it. For you see, if, if that had not happened, there would be no hope for our heart. None. There'd be no hope of salvation. There would be no, no Christmas season at all. None at all. So I challenge you this season to put Christ at the very heart of your mind and heart. And may you experience the true nature of this by you having an explosion of joy in your heart 
over the birth of Christ, not over going to the mall. I mean, who in the world could get that? I try to stay away from the malls. I don't even like malls. I'm not a shopper. I can't do it. I just don't like it. But the Christmas spirit, if you want to go buy gifts, go buy gifts. But keep Christ at the very forefront. And you're never going to do that apart from the Word of God. You must be in God's Word. I challenge you to do that. So for now, this is William Rogers. I thank you for joining us today. In another of the series, of the What is Christmas? This one is called The Christmas Spirit. And I thank you for tuning in today.